This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the How Do You Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do You Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Yash Chityeni, founder of Saren Media. Yash is someone I look up to greatly because behind the scenes, he helps so many people in our community and he neither asks for anything in return nor wants the public spotlight for his good deeds. Everyone needs someone like Yash in their life. In this episode, we dive into how Yash's obsession with earning himself financial and time freedom has also helped him help other people do the same. Having invested in crypto early on and reaping the rewards from that, Yash now finds himself wanting to inspire, motivate, and educate other people to seek out ways to build their own wealth. Beyond that, Yash hopes to build up his meteor expertise to propel his clients towards the future they are seeking. I'm very much looking forward to the value you're about to receive in this episode. So without further ado, please welcome Yash Chityeni to the show. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again, back with another Thrive on Life podcast episode. And today I am pumped up. I say that every single time, but it's for real today because I turned 31 today sitting here podcasting with one of my best friends, Yash. We're going to get into him in just a second. But yeah, it's crazy to think back 31 years ago that I was brought to this earth. I think it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Like how magical is it that literally we come out of thin air almost like pretty much like two people. I'm sitting here looking at Yash. He's smiling. Two people come together and somehow make another person. Like, how crazy is that? And then for me, anybody else out there, I'm a C-section baby because I was wreaking havoc before I even got into this world. The umbilical cord was wrapped around my neck, so they had to do an emergency procedure, and voila, I was born on January 11th, uh, 1991, which is super cool for me today because I think 31 is the first year where I am finally content with the projects 
and the people in the direction of my life. I feel confident in saying no to what is not for me based on all the things that I've tried and all the places that I've been over the years. And one reason I wanted to kick this year off with Yash is, actually there's two reasons. First reason is because he's a badass human being in all the best ways and he deserves to share some of his story and for you guys to meet him and learn more about him. But two, because he is a crypto wizard and I don't really know anything about crypto for the past couple of years as it's been blowing up and been focused on more business and real estate and other investments. And the best way that I learn is always through my friends and people that have already done the damn thing. So today I would love to welcome Mr. Yash Chityani to the podcast. How are you doing? Great, man. I am so excited to be able to celebrate your birthday doing this podcast. This is something that means a lot to what you're building the, for yourself and how you've helped spread the Thrive mission through your podcast. And in essence, just being able to talk about all things associated with growing and learning is something that holds core to me. And to be able to do something like this on your birthday it brings me great joy. So I'm pumped about this. And uh, I too was a C section baby. I think both of our moms probably were like, their umbilical cords were like, these babies are going to be up to some trouble. So let's <laughs> put that cord around their necks and let's let them know who's boss right from the get go. <laughs> yeah. And it uh, looks like we came out and we're making some moves out here. So I'm pumped. Yeah. It's almost a relief because every year, I mean, birthdays, everybody celebrates them in different ways. You have people that love to be the spotlight, which is great because you get that one day of the year. And then you have, if you're like me, I love spotlight just like everybody else. But the birthday is one of those days where it's like, if you get to choose really what you want to do, for me, it's doing what I love that day. And usually what I love is what I did this morning, go on a run, work out, see my friends, hang out, record a podcast, create content, spend time with my wife eat the food that I love. It's not very complex. And I think I've gotten to this point where I used to want the spotlight on this day because that's kind of like what society does to you. Like you have birthday parties from when you're a kid. Like every year is a celebration of your birthday rather than really, I want to instill in my future children to like look back on your life and like what has the last year provided you, taught you, what have you learned, who have you become? And someone said this to me yesterday on the men's call, on Men We Admire, they mentioned that sign of progress or success is, have I learned more about myself this year? Yeah, you know, I really agree with that. I, I personally take the same stance around you about not using the day of your birth as a personal token of celebration. Rather, has this year provided me the growth that I wanted or what path it even took me down and why I am here today. And you wrote about this, I believe, in your newsletter, which you shared with your PS about being grateful for another year around the globe. And I want to use this moment to shine the spotlight on you because uh, this is your day. And I want to say how much of a monumental positive impact you've had on me. I got to leave my job this year and I had a vision, a scattered vision of wanting to grow into this identity that I created for myself. And along the way, I think you have to find people that support that. And 
finding you was uh, supercharged. And it's not just me that feels that way. You do this for plenty of other people. You make it so that people who A, have not necessarily fully found their identity or B, have even found their identity get faster towards it. And there's this aura around you, CJ, which is infectious. And as you turn 31 today, I am so very happy to celebrate it with what I would consider one of my best friends, a mentor and business partner and so many more things. And yeah, I'm very grateful. Thank you for allowing such a beautiful past few months and for celebrating today. Man, going to make me tear up here on this podcast. Uh, never happened, but uh, if there was a better time, it would be now. I just want to appreciate you and the words. And I brought you on here because this is about you. It's not about me. And it's what I love to do on the podcast. If you're listening and have listened before, I do chime in every once in a while. But the real start of this podcast was to bring on people like Yash, who silently or vocally are leading the charge in a lot of different ways. And what I mean by silently is there's a lot of people around you that are doing the work that don't ever ask for anything in return. And Yash is one of those people. And one of the things that I think that I've tried to, I don't like the word try, I always say that and call myself out in this podcast. One of the things that I work to do is to showcase people the skills that they have that they don't even know that they have and then share them with the world and tell their story because that will light the fire of somebody else. You are worthy of telling that story. And that's something that I wanted to bring you on for today is because, I mean, you've mentioned in the past how much you help other people around you, your friends, your family, and we won't go into specifics, but you've been vulnerable with me to showcase that you've spent time, money, energy for the people that you love most. And if people can hear that and understand that the best people on earth, that's what they're doing, maybe they'll go out and strive to be that because unfortunately we live in a world today where money and cars and houses are to be seen as success, but real success is what is your character when nobody is looking? And that's something I look up to you for in very high regard. And fortunately, a lot of our other friends in very high regards. So there's nothing else I would want to be doing here today. But we're eight minutes in and I don't want to just keep going back and forth, being grateful and being thankful. I highly recommend anybody else out there uh, on your birthday, spend time thanking those around you and being grateful for those around you that are grateful for you. Because you, again, you never know when that last year could be. So I'm going to live this this year as much as I can and as full as I can and inspire other people to do the same. So the first question I have for Yash is you mentioned the word identity. And I love this word, but I think a lot of people don't really reflect on that they have multiple identities and multiple factors of their life. And that's what I used to live through. And that's what you were living through. So the first question I have is when you mention you quitting your job and you're trying to reframe the identity that you have for yourself, what was your old identity? And what triggered you searching for a new one? For the past four years, I felt that I had an identity attached towards the concept of financial freedom. I came into the workforce from college 
and got exposed towards this movement called FIRE, Financial Independence Retirement Early. And I got hooked on the concept of, I want my time to do anything that I want. And my first job was within a financial sector. I worked for Fidelity Investments. And the mindset of working in there got me down the scope of how can I accumulate finances to get me to this so-called identity of I'm free. I didn't necessarily dig deeper into what is free. I knew that I wanted to be free. I wanted to have my time. I wanted to go read books. I wanted to go do my personal hobbies. But I don't necessarily feel that I attached a sense of purpose to myself. I just let it linger all around what it is that I can do with all of this additional time, which I felt was being sucked up. And as the four years went along, I had a media company on the side and I would work on creating content. I got introduced to it because of my great friend, Brian, and his dad being an underwater photographer. It exposed me to what media could do. And I was ingrained. I was like, I think that media plays a role in the growth of various businesses, various entities, and it's going to allow me to travel, which was a huge part of the identity that I attached myself to, where it's financial freedom. I want to be able to travel the world. And as these years went along, I would work when I was not working my day job, try and accumulate wealth through crypto assets. Just What was your day job? My day job, I was a software engineer to start off, and then I became primarily a web developer, and after that, a product manager. I was got into products, loved wanting to understand how to build a product from the ground up, but it was purely in the tech space. And as I went along this path, this journey, I was getting more dollar bills into my bank account, and I was able to use those dollar bills to help certain goals for my family and I. It wasn't addressing a deeper rooted question, which I had not sat down to keep digging and asking. I felt a set of unrest where I was like, I feel unhappy. And I thought it was once I can leave this job, I'm done. By the time I had come to this point, I had been in Austin for about a year and a half. And I had attached myself to the aspect of, I think I know what I want. And I want to keep going down this content creation aspect. And when I say content creation, it was like I was shooting videos, I was taking photos, but I didn't attach a model, which I knew would help me grow. I left my job for me to thrive in a business standpoint. And at the same time, understand how exactly is it that I've got this content helping people. Is it that I'm doing this because I know that there's the landscape of, you know, the Instagrams of the world and people just need an Instagram stuff, people need a video and working through that lens. So when I quit my job, it gave me more time to start sitting there and experimenting with what I thought I want. And it's been the case. I do want to use content as a way to allow people, as you said, the ones who are silent to be able to step up and say, you are silent, but doesn't necessarily mean you're not valuable and enable all of these other people to be heard and be able to show value through this societal construct that we've created, which in essence helps because 
we're going to get into the aspect of decentralization. Education, I believe, should be decentralized. And we're all learning at all times. And that's what this does. It allows for everyone to become an expert in their own space and allow for them to teach and provide back value and for others to learn as quickly as possible. And when I got to quit my job, it was just ruminating over, okay, I want to do more of this. And, you know, I started running around. I was shooting videos here. I was shooting videos there, taking photos. And it wasn't addressing the bottom line for the business. It was, it was draining me. It was draining us, Brian and I. And I could sense that I created a cushion for myself because of the job that I had and built up a, a fallback where I could keep doing this. But it wasn't removing me from the equation of time. It had to involve me consistently working a new job and the new job was my business. And along the way, you know, just getting a chance to sit down with you, have a couple conversations, I started identifying, I can't let my passion for wanting to help people misconstrue that with how can I optimize in helping people while not decimating my own desire through time. And... As that has, you know, I quit back in July, got to go on vacation to India for a month, somewhere else, to Mexico for a bit, come back, reevaluate. Now it's been about six months and just like working through those things. I feel <laughs> zoned in. And as you say, blinders on. Now I'm specifically focused on one, our, the business is focused on one thing and one thing only. And that was reflecting on a lot of my interests, Brian's interests, and what I've done in the past, and how can we maximize helping others uh, grow. And it's come down to what we're doing today, podcasting. And I found the fact that I could help each person and myself with the identity of let's sit down and talk about what we like to do. And now here I am, I'm getting a chance to talk about crypto, which gave me part of this aspect of I could sit down here and say I have the financial freedom to be able to make decisions that are long-term based. And I can now sit down here and just chat about what lights me up. And someone else that is a client um, in the climate change space, they're trying to raise money specifically for wanting to bring climate awareness for sensors. They get to sit down, work with other climate-related people. It lights them up every day, connects them. And the fact that I get to play a role now in being able to create a space for this to happen on a daily basis, yeah, it's part of my identity of being able to now say I am bringing great joy and, in essence, not decimating myself. I don't have to run around. I'm not running around longer just to make sure I need to go capture what I think is the ideal piece of content. For me now, it's sit down and identify what it is that the goals are and create based around that. And that's where I find myself now. So much to unravel there. And the beauty of having guests at the caliber of yourself on the podcast is there's so many different ways that we can go with the conversation. So it's very fun for me. So thank you for answering in that very well articulated response. One of the things that I picked up on there was you leaving 
the grass in one area, thinking the grass is greener somewhere else and realizing that it's actually the same thing if you keep the same habits. So if you're bashing your head against the wall in the corporate world saying, I'm not happy, the only way that I can be happy is to become, quote unquote, an entrepreneur, you're not going to be happy because you're leaving the corporate world with the same habits that you're bringing into entrepreneurship, which is to work. That's what you were doing. But you can't just leave and start working and think that everything's going to be solved. For me, listening to that story, what you started doing was working on yourself rather than working on something that makes us feel a certain way, makes us feel productive, or like we're a part of society. But it doesn't really cure the unrest that you were describing. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Yash. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Yash Chityani. I think I came across a quote yesterday. The only way out is in. And I, up until... That I going back to the identity aspect, I kept thinking out was out. Let me go get this money so I can, with this money, I can go travel and that's going to solve my sense of happiness. It's going to solve my sense of curiosity. But after leaving this job, it was like sit down. And I'm glad you brought up the habits aspect because that was monumental towards actually getting to this point and understanding what it is that I want on a day to day, how it needs to be mapped out. I would love to wake up and do a certain amount of stuff. Like you said, spend time at the gym, spend time sauna, ice, those processes. It was up until I started sitting down and slowing down and saying, what is it that I could do on a day-to-day basis that identifies with myself? I felt like I was searching externally and I had to step back, slow down more towards an internal aspect to now find myself in a place where I'm like, yeah, I don't think I need to go searching for something. I think I found all my answers. Or, and the beauty is, or you know where to find the answers. That's the thing. Once you start going, instead of out, you go in, you know where to find the answers. Like if you've had a long day, what do you do? Quiet down and meditate and relax and like allow yourself the patience to come to a conclusion rather than trying to force something. As a society, try to force a square peg into a circle hole all the time. And that's not how you find happiness or peace for that fact. And that's really what I've seen 
over the months, you've been able to start to adapt to aligning your habits with becoming more of an entrepreneur rather than an operator. And for those that are listening, like in the corporate world versus the entrepreneurial world, when you're in the corporate world, you're very much an operator if you're an employee. Like you have a job, you have set tasks every single day and you get paid for those tasks. Great. If that's what makes you happy, cool. When you take those same habits into the world of entrepreneurship, you aren't doing it the right way is what I would say. And a lot of us make the mistake of work more for higher output. So more input for more output. But really good entrepreneurs learn how to do less input, higher output. Because a great example, Elon Musk taking over with how many different companies, right? Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink. He's one dude. But how does he have the leverage to do all that? Right. So if you sit down and you think like, okay, if he's just a guy and I'm just a guy too, how do you have the leverage? What's well, all systems, processes, habits? He's created over decades of time a relentless ability to focus on what is actually important. And that's building systems and processes that operate when he's not in the room. Yeah. I I'm glad you used that word. That was probably something that I moved into 2021 as what could I do? And I think I shared an image with you at the start of the year. I had done this mind map of how my year is going to look like. And one of the things that I wrote was productize yourself. And you had asked me, what does productize look like? And I wrote that based off of a quote that I'd come across from Naval. And I kept building upon different facets of my life with my, the skill sets as a web developer, as a product manager, and understanding these various parts. And I was like, I think that I know I've got these skill sets and I know I can do some things with this. But like you said, me doing these tasks repetitively was not getting me anywhere. I didn't necessarily identify processes. And the aspect of sitting down right now to identify every process in my life is what allows me to get back to growing. And to your point, that there might be there are people that are probably identified with a job and want to do a job. And I did at a certain point. Now, bringing that job into my own personal life again when I quit the job is not a way for me to feel that sense of ease, that sense of growth. Let's spin it up into the crypto talk because I think this is a, a great transition period for people to understand how you even earned yourself the ability to become an entrepreneur, a business owner, and potentially productize yourself. Because I'd love to go down the productization chat after we kind of describe how you even got in here in the first place. Because I'm a big believer with the crypto and the podcasting, what you're doing. Like That's where your productization is going to sit. But I want to know a little bit about you have this job and you're starting to invest. Tell the original story of how you even came across crypto. Like a lot of great things in life, Kanye, uh, for me, is the reason how I came across crypto. I had been going to, I was going to an all Kanye everything concert. <laughs> what does that even mean first? What is all Kanye yeah, everything? There was a DJ out in Dallas, and this happened in Austin a few weeks back too. Kanye has got an allegiance of fans. And this was this event where they said, we're just going to, only play Kanye music and 
I was like, you know what? There's going to be a bunch of Kanye fans. <laughs> I'm going to show up. And Kanye has positively impacted my life along my journey from sixth grade when I moved to the U.S. So I was now, I was 23, and there was a fest or concert happening. And I was like, Kanye think I'm going to be with Kanye fans. This is sweet. And I go to downtown Dallas and I try to get into this concert. And man, it's 2016. I'm not carrying cash. And they were like, yo, you need cash to get in. I had to look up the nearest ATM to solve my problem. And in Dallas, downtown Dallas, it took me to the closest ATM, which was inside of a bar. And as I walk into this bar, I see this like gold colored machine, I'd say, which did not look like an ATM to me. And there was this guy who was just pressing various buttons on it. And I was like, this is the strangest looking like futuristic ATM that I've come across. And I just like glanced at the guy and as he completed his process of pressing through this thing, I was like, dude, what is this thing? And he was like, oh, this is, he was a German guy. I'm not going to try and German accent. He was like, this is a Bitcoin ATM. I was like, what is that? And his response that stuck out to me in that moment was I sold my house in Hamburg, Germany, sold all of my belongings, converted it into this magic money, and I'm getting paid every month to go travel. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, I'm 23 and I'm... Why is he in Dallas? Yeah. <laughs> He was in Dallas because there was a conference for guns. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's what brought As it. if we couldn't make Texas more stereotypical. <laughs> that's exact. He had a whole shirt full of guns. <laughs> and I mean, that's a huge part of what the community in Bitcoin now is as well. There's like a subculture of guns and Bitcoin. and um, Not guns and babes, guns <laughs> and Bitcoin. Exactly. It's all about security and privacy. And I guess both of those give you that. So I came across that. Through him, he told me about this currency called Dash. That was actually what he was, he was using, this cryptocurrency Dash. And he just told me about how every month he goes to a new place and he ends up with more money in his bank account. I was like, how does that work? He's like, yeah, these are these assets that are accruing through time. And I had just gotten into the workforce and I just came across financial independence and I was like, what? How is this guy doing this? This sounds insane. I need to go look it up. So I went home, YouTube, and podcasts. And I was like, I need to figure out what this man is doing. Was there any specific channels or any specific, specific podcasts? Yeah, there was one specific host, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos. Andreas Antonopoulos was, I would say, one of the four fathers of Bitcoin education. He would go to these conferences by himself and just talk and talk for hours and hours. And I would sit there and hear him dissect as to what Bitcoin is. And I came across Bitcoin and the concept of how money, as we know it, is being completely rewritten. And growing up, I grew up in India. Um, and I would say that I grew up with the aspect of a scarcity mindset because we didn't have a whole lot to grow up around. And when I came to the States, it was all about saving, saving, saving. And when I heard Andreas talk about the fact that Bitcoin is a saving mechanism for you for life, that piqued my original interest. I was like, what exactly about Bitcoin makes it 
a saving mechanism. I came across it being a deflationary asset. And that was my time, a very first time where I had learned the concept of how is it that every month that I'm saving some money and I know that I'm saving some money, but I want to do more so than just saving it. And why does this make it more valuable? There's only 21 million Bitcoin overall. And that got me peaked in the interest that, oh, I could have this thing that I buy kind of like an Apple stock, kind of like a Microsoft stock and not do anything with it. And through time, it would grow in its value because there's a set amount of Bitcoins out there in the world and it is not controlled by a centralized source. So Bitcoin started in, in essence from the 2008 financial crisis with the whole distrust of our central banks and how our government pretty much bailed out most of the top corporations that got into this financial crisis. So you take your money, go put it with these banks, and the banks get to now play around by using your money, which is in a bank, to say, I want to go increase my own portfolio assets, which led to the financial crisis and the accumulation of what feels a lot of inequality, wealth inequality. And Andreas explained it as the concept of we are now able to remove the power of money from a centralized source and be able to distribute it all across every single individual for us to become our own banks. I was like, this is something that I would like to do. I would like to not have my money put in a place where someone else gets to control it. Someone else gets to make the decisions for me. So I started at Fidelity and I was slowly wanting to hedge myself by learning this new concept. And I started parking a bit more, a bit more money. And then it started having its dividends. And Where were you parking it? I would, you know, I downloaded Coinbase.com. I went on Coinbase. That was the original, I'd say, centralized exchange that was out there. And I was like, I would take my money, get a direct deposit, immediately take it, go buy that, and just put it in a... I brought myself this wallet, a hardware wallet where you can try and store your Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, I would purchase that and immediately send it over to that wallet and just let it sit there. And I would go check every day at my prices. And I was like having flashbacks to meeting the German guy. I was like, wait a second, this is 2000 today. Well, wow, it's 2500 today. Wow. It's 7,000 today. Oh my God. It just keeps going up. And you know, when you start your my education wasn't as much in depth for what exactly the value, the utility of it was as much as, oh my God, I am getting towards my financial freedom. <laughs> and it really was going further with that. But the more I got into it, I started understanding the utility of, wait a second, I'm able to use this to now send money to my family out in India and none of them have to be stopped. That was when it honestly became a huge turning point for me. When I understood the fact that remittances in India, which is withdrawal of money, when I send it through my Wells Fargo, takes up till 20 to 25 days. I could not send money to my family for them to be able to make their necessary purchases immediately until I used Bitcoin. And to be able to send that money to family out in India was honestly one of the most like light bulb moments where I was like, 
I felt so trapped with how our, you know, the process of my family having to try and support our grandparents back in India and being able to have them get some sort of money. The process of removing 25 days to one day is night and day. To be able to think that people could go not survive within three weeks to now instantly having that was the moment when I said, I think that the whole world is going to latch onto this. It's not just a thing in the US and it's more so actually bigger in the third world countries and it feels something that's slower in adaptation in the United States. And after I felt that it was being used in such a monumental way out in India, it was, how can I accumulate faster? How can I accumulate faster? But then that led me towards what I would say the altcoin cycle in 2017, which was the booming of now the concept of money grew up to where people started wanting to say, wait, we can build more than just money. And that's when Ethereum came into place. Ethereum was decentralized program on which to build applications on top of. So we started having all of these other developments of applications. Uh, application. So dig a little further into that. What, what does that even mean for the average listener? Yeah. So Bitcoin was built for the use case of utility of money, of purely money. And then Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum, found the concept of this blockchain to be highly beneficial. And he was like, how can we take this concept and allow it to be more than just money? Why is it that money is the only thing that the focus has been built on? It would be so much more of a use case if we can try and apply this for far greater apps. One of the first app applications that I came across, which still exists, is not doing too great from a financial standpoint, and I still have hopes for down the road is a coin called Saya coin. And Saya coin was built so that it decentralizes as content creators for you and I who end up having these hard drive spaces to say, I have got this hard drive space and I know that someone else is not necessarily able to go keep consistently buying hard drives, but how can they store all of this data that they're doing? You and I could put our hard drives up as an Airbnb of sorts so that people can pay micro cents for us to be able to utilize this space that they didn't have and for us to be able to, in essence, become Airbnb hosts of data usage. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. You can Someone else allowed it to become a programmable thing to be built on top of Ethereum. And so Ethereum, in essence, allowed for all of these various applications to say, hey, I can use this code, break it down into specific use cases that I would like, of which the biggest one became decentralized finance. Bitcoin introduced money and then DeFi, decentralized finance, short for DeFi, allowed for everyone to now become not only their own bank, but become lenders and borrowers. So when Bitcoin was introduced, it was like, I can save my money and let this growing asset hold on to it. But now I want people to say, hey, I want to be a person who can lend you money, CJ. And you can be another person who can lend money to someone else. I don't want to wait on an institution like Visa, et cetera, to approve my credits check to allow me to do this. 
Now I actually can go deposit my assets, such as Bitcoin, and say, I've got this as a collateral, and be able to loan out money to people. So it, in essence, gave more power to each of us individuals to become like institutionals. And decentralization became probably the hottest topic for crypto and a huge use case for the benefits of it. It was stripping away the problem that existed in 2008 of all of this power that exists is all into these centralized one-time sources. And as we had talked about at the start, education, for instance, being decentralized, the concept just became how can we enable each individual to become the most powerful that they can? So another application from a decentralized standpoint being built on top of Ethereum would be something like Alchemix. Alchemix was built on top of Ethereum where a user had an idea that, hey, I would love to set up a place where everyone can deposit all of their money and be able to collect interest from all of these other people borrowing. But the magic that he built into that application was, hey, if you deposit in $100 worth, you can take 50% of that out as a loan. And as soon as you do, because you've allowed for the $100 deposited to be used by the entire ecosystem and it collects interest, it's a loan that's going to pay itself off. So the 50 bucks that you've taken out is a continuous loan that's being repaid by itself. So in essence, they've created applications where each person can be able to not depend on any more centralized sources. And I've been able to use that now to go buy tickets on my recent visit to India. I was like, well, I'm going about to fly out to India. I would love to not spend $4,000 on tickets. How can I do this without having to relinquish that? I deposited in $4,000 or $8,000, took down $4,000 in loan and paid for my tickets. And now the remaining $4,000 is paying itself off. I've got another four years. And in the next four years, I'm going to get that back. So in essence, I've gotten free tickets to India after all said and done and I don't have to pay someone else off. So Ethereum, in essence, is just allowed for the contribution for the building of various applications on top of it. Again, so much to unpack. First question I have for you is kind of a sidebar. Have you ever seen the movie Time? Time, no. With Justin Timberlake? So in that movie, it's basically, imagine a world where you have 10, one being like the lowest faction of life, and then 10 being the richest. And in this movie time, people in section one have like under an hour to live every day. And then people in section 10, the rich people have infinite years to live. And you die based on like, it's on your wrist, like at your time every single day. And in the movie, when your time runs out, you are gone. And it's, if you go to the section one, you see all these loan companies loaning out minutes for people to, to stay alive. The reason I bring up that movie is, and I've said this behind closed doors for a couple years now, I've put out, I think, even posts about it, but I wanted to wait for you to get on here to mention it on a podcast because I believe that the most impactful way 
that crypto is going to enter our world is when it figures out a way for us to trade our time in a more efficient way. What I what it looks like is, okay, today's my, a great example is today. It's my birthday. I'm getting so many messages. Thank you, everybody. Like I love you, um, and I don't just say that lightly. Like it's it's really nice to get messages on your birthday and people that care. Um, I'll never take that lightly. But on an average everyday basis, I do get messages. I have multiple different accounts. I get emails. I get texts. I get DMs. I get personal messages on different apps. That's a lot of a lot, right? It's just how where do I spend my time? It's pulling me in so many different directions so often where I just don't answer. Like I, I get so stressed from it that I'm just like, I don't answer people that have business questions. I don't answer people in my family. I don't answer friends that text me or DM me. I just don't answer because it's overwhelming. Well, what happens when we live in a world where someone can literally say, I will give you one Bitcoin to answer this message. I will give you or trade with you X to answer this message. Now I'm incentivized to actually trade my time in a certain way. And it's happening in certain spectrums of the world and on certain platforms, but I'm waiting for it to be so integrated into our world. That's where I really see it having a massive impact because it will make it easier to say no and just be your you're you're literally your own. I'm my own bank at that point. Someone could say, "I'll give you some Ethereum, and I'm in need of Ethereum for this one application." So I'm going to be more incentivized to answer the person that offers Ethereum than somebody that offers Bitcoin or somebody that offers another coin. The beauty is, someone else out there wants more Bitcoin or wants more of another coin. So for me, the decentralization really makes it a world that incentivizes more diversity because to some people, one coin might be more valuable, but to another, another coin might be more valuable. We live in a world where the centralized banks control the same currency. It's all just the same money. No matter what country or place you're in, it's all just one type of money. And we're all do terrible things just for this one thing. So that's where I I have thought over the years where I see it really going. I'm waiting for it to take off because I'm I'd, I'd love to see it go in. I'm a pos. I'm an optimist, so I'm like, hopefully it goes that in that direction where it just unlocks more opportunities for people that wouldn't necessarily have them in a daily day day to day basis like we would. Yeah, that's a interesting draw out based off of the technological advances that have taken place in here, because you're right that it allows for the valuation of. I prioritize this currency over the other, and I would love to have that. And now that Facebook has become meta, and meta could allow for this integration of, I support all of these coins, and let the end creator choose now to value their time by accepting a certain payments. But I don't believe decentralization is going to still remove what can be actual utility and value tokens. So I would say that I've spent time in this space to build dose of what I consider with my own personal bias, healthy skepticism. I think that Bitcoin holds its value as a utility because of how it's been coded into language 
And this was the first ever creation, by the way. We can never come to the paradigm of creating a whole nother Bitcoin. That's done. And now we live in a world where, you know, that was created when it was a bunch of hobbyists together that said, hey, this is cool. This, I think we can create this concept of money where, where no one has power over it. And they built that. But now an idea exists. You can't create a whole idea that no one knows of when that idea is existing. So there are coins that people will create, in essence, to attach value to and be able to say that, hey, you know, coin coop. I'm just looking at my bottle. Coop, coop coin here allows you to hold value because it's going to let you get to cycling more. And someone can go ahead and create that token, and that's what crypto has allowed for. However, it also makes it a very tricky land where does value be held through a coin that is only for the cycling community? Or should it be something that is universal in acceptance? So you go ahead and accept Bitcoin and you accept Coop. It's the fact that you might end up accepting Coop and no one else does then you get bottlenecked into being able to use something with maybe one other user. And that's going to end up driving down the price of, in essence, this value that you've been building in. So I think that decentralization allows for power to be stripped away from a centralized source, but it doesn't necessarily take away from the economics of how societies and communities will actually give something its value at the end of the day it needs to be accepted by networks and if there's no network effect taking place having just a few users is going to bring things down um, so to your point i think that we've already got some integration happening where people are able to in essence pick the dm of choice because it's mapping out to their specific interested coin and specific value. And it allows for the exchange of time. Where I find myself skeptical about the growth of this is where does the use case of further cryptocurrencies exist where why can I not just give you dollars? I could incentivize you currently through the dollar aspect of um, CJ, I want to give you $20,000 right now and someone else. But, but how would you do that? How would it be instantaneous? It wouldn't be dollars because the government controls dollars. So the thing that's interesting is like, so you mentioned this, your original crypto story with the guy and it was growing. Like, I feel like centralized banks back in the day were created with the idea kind of like Bitcoin. The problem that ended up happening, and this is human nature, is they got greedy. So what is the purpose of having a savings account in a bank when you don't earn any fucking interest? What is the absolute purpose of that? So banks are stupid because if they actually wanted more money to play with and earn with, they would give us more. Even And it's crazy to me. I'm like, even if they had a 3% interest rate, how many more people will probably save money just in the general safe way than with, what is it, like 0.5%? Like you, even if you have a million dollars in there, what is it going to grow at? 
one grand a year. Nobody can live off one grand a year. Fuck that. So where they fucked up is really getting greedy. And that's where human flaws happen. And that's where with like Bitcoin, you see like no one owns it. So it's just like this wave that people either are riding up or riding down because you don't have the human error involved in it where people are getting greedy in terms of what percentage should we make interest this year? You see it all across the map. The next utility I also see it, seeing it being very valuable in is like I mentioned, I like to invest in real estate and I'm my wife and I look at how do we make money in real estate in the long run because branding businesses is the same as branding an Airbnb. Making a vibe around the long-term rental that you want to have. It's the same thing, just different industry. So one of the things I thought about is just like, well, what happens when the real estate industry starts giving you mortgages in crypto? I think with you saying that a month ago, less than a month ago, we've got some banks that are now accepting Bitcoin as a way to give you a mortgage. And you also have banks that, I told you this the other day, where dividend rather than a <laughs> dividend. So you have some banks that are double dipping now because they're realizing we're going to get left behind. Like They're absolutely going to get left behind in the next 20 years. The other thing that banks don't realize is every kid born now is born into, and this has been the past 10 years, but now phones and technology is so advanced that every person born now is born with this next level technology and next level intelligence. So are they going to be more inclined to go back to this archaic way of doing things? No, the, the future is our kids. And if we understand this stuff, our kids are going to be even more next level, just like our parents. My mom knows how to get on Instagram messenger and like look at my stories and like, and she's in her sixties. So if she knows how to do that and we know how to do what we're doing now, what are our kids going to be doing? They're not going to be driving up to the bank and plucking money out of an ATM. No, not at all. You're right. It's all, it's, I mean, everything's going digital. Everything, even real estate that you're talking about. Now we have these scenarios of people buying digital land. It's not a concept that I've been able to wrap my own head around yet, but you're right. We live in a time where Gen Z is now dictating the rules of how the landscape on the internet looks like and where trends tend to go. And with that aspect, I would say that Within cryptocurrencies, you're right. That's going to take up our time of, I don't want to go to a bank, a physical bank, and be able to put in my check and have that check do something. I would like to have access to money instantaneously. And the faster we adopt to this change, I th and I believe that's where cryptocurrency has its biggest value add, is the fact that it's an answer to the landscape of everything going digital. And I'll give you another use case. I love what you're saying. We're going to be investing in a new property and we are building this property and they want a certain percentage down for a certain percentage of the upgrades that we have. And it's like, okay, I got to like go through the process of like selling stock, then transferring it into another account, then transferring it from that account with an ACH to another account. It's just like such a hassle rather than the future. What I see the future being like is in real estate, them saying, we take all these levels of, of payment, it can happen like that. And that to me is, again, if you can make that universal where it's like, maybe I want to buy a house in Europe one day.
Maybe I want to buy a house in India one day. Maybe I want to buy a house wherever one day. Now it creates even a more entrenched sense of decentralization and utility because the one thing that we all need, I would say, is shelter, food and shelter. So the housing thing is like a huge utility that I think is a lot of people aren't looking as much, but I've been looking at the updates in that market of when is that going to pop? Because that's when I really believe that everything's going to take this next level. But in the concern of time here, uh, cause we got like 10 minutes left. I want to ask you like a couple more questions. And these are more of like rapid fire for the end listener. If somebody is listening to this and they want to learn more about crypto and it's, utilities, what are the podcast books or YouTube channels that they should be following? Up Only TV. I know that the name says Up Only, and we live in a time where cryptocurrency is not going up only, it's going down only right now. But there's a great podcast called Up Only and Bankless. Bankless is an episode, is a podcast that's hosted by Sean and Ryan that talk about Ethereum-related uh, applications being built, and the goal of it is to help the unbanked become banked. And those are, I would say, two podcasts that are really great. A YouTube channel called Coin Bureau. Coin Bureau dissects all the updates that take place on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, and gives digestible information. In terms of books, the Bitcoin Standard rewrote my knowledge of what money was and how money should be looked at. And that was written by Safe Dean Amos. He's a great speaker and a great writer. I would say that having those four would be a great way to start your education within this space and understand why and how on a day-to-day basis, because the podcast, you're going to keep getting consistent guests are going to teach you a lot. Those are the four that I would bounce back on consistently. And I would say in three months, you're probably going to go from zero to hero um, real fast. In one minute, why should the average person be looking at crypto as an investment and utility? I look at three parts as a way for surefire, way for success in a financial spectrum for myself. One is a cash flowing business. The second is real estate, and the third is crypto. And real estate and crypto both fall under scarcity in a digital space and in life. You want to be able to hold on to things that are going to A, bring value, which other people are going to value enough, but you know is not going to always exist. Crypto is a way where you can bring a lot of tremendous value based on the certain set of applications that you build, but it's going to create scarcity around it. And people are going to want stuff which they know is going to eventually have a limited scope of. So I would say crypto is going to solve a lot of problems across the board. And for you personally, internally, is going to give you an asset that you can consistently build upon because you've created scarcity into the space. If I am a person that has a couple hundred bucks 
laying around and I feel like, ah, I got beat. All my friends earned some money off crypto. It's too late for me. What would you say to that person? I would say we're in its very infancy first. It, we're in the very infancy of cryptocurrencies. The mindset of having lost on, on the cycle leads to losing out more on the 200 bucks than the aspect of realizing we're at the very start. Let me start by putting, I would say, at least 150 bucks of it, because that's 75%, in towards the two assets, which I believe are here for staying for the very, very, very long term, and that's Bitcoin and Ethereum. Bitcoin is digital money, and Ethereum is the layer on which everything else is being built on top of within crypto. Now, you've got 50 bucks. I would say go listen to those podcasts, listen to those education pieces, and try and see why is it that you like a certain set of utility and put the 50 bucks towards it. Have it go down, have it go up, spend more time trying to understand is that a good bet? Life is about making small bets and trying to understand are these small bets making me get to the version that I want and make the small bets with those 50 bucks. Last question. Bitcoin's gone down within the past week. It was flying high for a while. All crypto is going down. What do you recommend that someone's attitude should be? I would say don't get into a panic mindset and start trying to buy and sell across the board. If there's fear for the fact that you might be losing a lot of value, sell into stable coins. Stable coins have been created in the crypto space to be pegged against the US dollar. They do not fluctuate. They always stay one-to-one -one with the US dollar. So if you are wanting to be extremely risk-averse, move into a stable coin such as DAI or Tether and wait for the market to correct its course and buy back in. However, as we like to say in crypto, hodl. Just hodl onto the assets. Hold on for dear life, fam. Exactly. As you go through these motions and you go on your journey to the moon. So my suggestion, there's one L1, which is a layer one solution like Ethereum. Hold on to Ethereum and hold on to the future of money, Bitcoin. And let it go through its motions because I'll tell you this, as a person who joined back in 2016 and went through this euphoric rise and then have things just decimate, I thought it was all gone. And I heard the same stories of what happened back in 2013 from the very, very, very early pioneers. They thought they had this euphoric rise and everything was gone. But guess what? The cycle is maturing. It's getting better. And this is only going to keep improving the crypto space. So hodl on and get to the moon. To the moon, baby. Let's go. And we are not financial advisors, so I want to be very clear that this is all just opinion and that you need to take your own opinions and advices into consideration and talk to somebody that is certified to be giving out that advices. So wanted to just make that super clear. We're just here chatting on a podcast. So none of this of what we talked about today is a fact. 
it is all speculation and opinions. So take it or leave it, do whatever you want with it, but realize that we are just sitting here chatting and conversing and that we don't know exactly what the future holds in store for crypto, money in general, real estate, anything that we are mentioning here today. To wrap up this podcast, first, I just want to thank you, Yash, for spending the time with me here today. It was an absolute blast, and I'm very excited for people to hear this. Uh, and I feel like we can have a part two to this later this year because I'm interested to see what happens with this market and then also dig a little further in for those that are involved in this space and could learn a little bit more and go a little bit deeper. So before we wrap up, same way we always do, what is the best way for somebody to get in contact with you if they liked what you said here today? The best way to get in contact with me would be through my website, yashchitneni.com, and also my Instagram handle, at yashchitneni. Those would be the top two ways to get a hold of me. And also check out sarinpods.com. I'm doing what I love every single day. And sarinpods would be a great way for you to see what I'm up to. And if you are interested in checking out the, what I'm learning every single day with working with the people that I am, those would be the three ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. And then the last question we ask everybody, which you know of, because you helped me produce some content around this question is what does the word thriving mean to you? Thriving to me is this Japanese word that I came across Ikigai. Exactly. Ikigai. When I quit my job, I had to go find my Ikigai, the reason for being. And that was broken into four different sections. What you're good at, what you can get paid for, what you like, and what the world needs. Those are the four things. And the overlap of those four Venn diagrams gets you towards your Ikigai. Thriving to me is being able to understand the different parts of who you are in those sec sections, breaking that down and seeing, am I identifying these processes and tackling all parts of who I am and not making sure that I'm just doing the things that I can get paid for and also addressing the things that I like and that I'm good at. And Tackling that every single day. I think that's what thriving means to me. Powerful stuff right there. Thank you for sharing that with our audience. Go check that out. I looked it up after you mentioned it. And I honestly, it's weird that the universe does this. But when you hear something, when you start reading or listening, I think I, I read it in a book right after you mentioned it and then heard it on another podcast. Um, so it was meant to be at that point, And it's, it's pretty cool to hear you. Uh, share it with the audience and hopefully they find it valuable. But in a very podcast, I give my biggest takeaway from the show. And today, I think the word that stuck out to me the most that when you were talking was identity. And I think it does have to do with it is my birthday. So the word identity is something that I think I'm going to reflect on after this show in general. But why it kind of stuck out to me is we have this identity of ourselves that we think we are, meaning like internally, we think we're showing up in the world in some way. But every time we're walking around, everybody else has this version of the identity of who you are as well. And something that I've tried to do as I've aged and stepped into my 30s is 
not give as much attention to the identity that the outside external has placed on me and only focus on what is the identity that I know I'm showing up to be. And the reason that I'm saying this is because no matter what industry you're in, no matter what your career is, no matter who you are, where you are on this earth, deep down, you know your true intentions. And if your true intentions are pure and you're waking up every single day and doing your best to be more kind to yourself, which then in turn will be more kind to others, you're trying to take care of yourself and be healthier, happier self, which then leads to a healthier, happier community around you. If you are doing your best to do that, that's all you can do at the end of the day. You cannot walk around and try to guess what the identities that everybody else is placing on you. That is going to hold too much weight and too much space in your mind. And I've done that in the past where I've tried to be a chameleon and based my identity based on who's the room, whose room I'm in with at that certain time versus today, I bring my absolute identity in every room that I go into. And it has been fortunate enough when I step into that to attract people of the caliber like Yash is. And I'm so very blessed for that and grateful. So thank you so much for spending the time here with me today. Yash, thank you for the listeners out there. There's one thing that you can do for me that'll help this podcast and help Yash's story and all the information, valuable information that I gave out today is share it with a friend or family member that you know is involved in crypto or would like to be involved with crypto. And beyond that, somebody that's looking to become a better self Second thing could be rate and review this. You can now rate this on Spotify if you are following this channel. So please go give me that five-star rating on Spotify or if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a nice review. That's something that I look forward to every single week is looking at who's left a little review and just know that I do look through those and appreciate them more than you know. So this is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. I love y'all. Until next time, Thrive On. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.